Good evening, ALM family. Oh, that was weak. Good evening, ALM family. How are you guys? Everything good? You may be seated. We might do some prayer in a little bit, but... So great to be here tonight, and uh, thank you for Pastor Thad to uh, give me the opportunity to share a little bit. Before we get into the word, like Pastor Thad announced, I'm going to give you a little update on Panama. Obviously, Panama was a lot different than here in Florida. I mean, I spent most of the virus thing here in, uh, in Florida last year till October, you know. And we were open in Panama for about two weeks in November, and then we had a complete shutdown again. All weekends closed, nobody could be outside, and uh, uh, curfew from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And men could only go out Tuesdays and Thursdays, and women Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, somebody came up with that, and you know, it was, it was crazy. Anyways, uh, so we were faced with complete closure uh, from December until a week and a half ago. So we, we went back to doing online church. We had to, you know, there was nothing else we could do. So we decided to start praying. And uh, we've been praying now. Tonight will be our day number 73. We're doing uh, online prayer every night. And uh, at the beginning, I assigned people to lead the prayer. But what we do now is every Sunday, we just say who wants to lead prayer. And people just volunteer. But the good thing is that uh, in February, we started seeing a change in the prayer time. And all of a sudden, we had whole families pray. Mom, dad, their kids, teenagers. The youngest one that lead prayer are eight years old. So three weeks ago on Saturday, we had our children lead prayer online, eight to 12 year olds. I'm, t I'm telling you, I was blown away. I, had not, I did not expect that. How these kids pray, unbelievable. Unbelievable, you know? So we've been praying and praying and praying and praying, obviously. And then uh, a week and a half ago on Sunday, the week before I came, was our first service of the year in the church. And thank God we were packed. No, no chairs left. Everything was full. And people are hungry. You know, people are hungry. And uh, so we're keeping it going. And we're keeping, uh, we have no Friday services and Sunday services. So we're back, getting back in the rhythm, you know, after so many months of being closed, you know, the building, we're starting doing maintenance, roof repairs, AC repairs, we gotta, because everything starts moving again, so you gotta put it back to life, you know? It was like kind of closed down for a year, you know? So that's good. And also in the prayer time, uh, God gave us a, uh, or revived the vision that we had for Panama a long time ago. And I'm just gonna share this real quick, you know? Pastor Thad doesn't even know that, you know? So he'll, he hear it, I was gonna share it with him in a meeting, but we'll meet tomorrow, so you, you hear it now. Um, ALM Panama, obviously, we, we think we're, we're praying a lot about uh, winning souls uh, the last five years, basically. And we'll see how times are changing. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit, bit, little bit more uh, in, the, in the sermon. And we feel the urgency now that in Panama, we really have to do something uh, to expand the kingdom of God in Panama. So uh, God spoke to me. And in Panama, we have... Uh, 10 provinces, or what you would call here states, like Florida and Alabama, and you know what I mean? We have 10 states in Panama. And right now we're in Panama City, which is like the main state that we have there. And we want to open one ALM Panama in each of the states. That's our, that's our goal for, for, for now, okay? And we want to be in the main city or in the capital of each of the states. And obviously it's like a, it's like a big task, a big shift for us in Panama, but the church is behind it. So in about a month and a half or two months, we're going to open the first or the second ALM Panama Church, about an hour away from where we are now in, a, in, a, in the next state down, this, down uh, up north. All right? uh, we already have the, the place. We already have, uh, it's a storefront. We can seat about 70 people there. We already have people in place that are going to work there. And uh, we're going to start educating them on the ALM vision, obviously, you know. A bishop always taught us many years ago that ALM was going to be a model church. I know how yeah. you remember that, you know. Yeah. And uh, we in Panama, we took that to heart, and we just uh, have a binder like this thick about, and that's our ALM kit, our ALM vision kit. Amen. 
And it starts with the doctrine, it goes into the church finances, personal finances, goes into uh, church uh, ministry, fivefold ministry, goes into insurance ministry, youth, I mean everything, into evangelism, everything, you know. So what we do is we go in there with our t church team, and uh, on a weekly basis we train up the people, we make them uh, understand everything that's going on with the vision that we have, and we will supervise them, and I will, go, I will, I will travel there. I'll go there every, every week, every other week, every month to see what's going on. They send us reports, and we hope to expand that way rather quickly. So uh, I, would, I would ask you to pray for us, okay, because it's a, it's a, it's a big shift for us, a big vision. Pray for us, uh, because we know God's behind it. And uh, I know once this takes off, people are going to knock on our door because a lot of people want to work with us. You know, but we're going to do this selectively, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to get around Panama City first. There's three provinces right around us, so we can start with maybe four churches, and then we can expand north because the northern part is so far away. If you go by car, it takes you about nine hours to get there, so it's pretty far. You know, so we want to start on the closer areas first, and then we're going to start extending further outwards. You know, so like I said, that's what we're uh, doing right now in Panama City. Uh, we got everything ready, but when I get back on Saturday, we have uh, street evangelism. We're going to be out there on Saturday night. Sunday night, where Sunday morning we have service, and then the week after, I'm going to go up there and meet with the with the group up there that we are that uh, we're establishing there, and we're going to hit hit the ground running. You know, so pray for us. I'll, I'll keep Pastor that uh, updated. We'll send you pictures and videos and everything that we have, so you guys are updated. But pray, pray for the ten churches in Panama. Okay, pray for that vision, please, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted, okay? All right. That was basically the quick Panama update. All right. Let's go to the Word of God for tonight, and I have something really interesting for you guys. I'm pretty sure some of it you have heard preached here before because it's a biblical principle, but, you know, I myself, I, I love digging into biblical principles, uh, researching them, and then applying them in my life. That's what the Christian life is about. And uh, we'll start in, is it working? It's working, all right. We'll start, we'll start in Romans 6.16. That's going to be our text scripture for today. And it says, Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It's going to be our scripture for tonight. And uh, at the beginning, I want to bring to you some thoughts about the times we're living in. Because I think uh, all of us here, I think we understand that something is happening, right? Something is going on. Something is changing. I mean, things are changing so fast, you can hardly keep track of what's going on. You know, I mean, you look every day, it's like, this is new, this is different, this is... Uh, everybody, it's like the new normal, what, this, what they're calling it, you know? A lot of things are going on. And when I was studying this since last year, I came across about a lot of, lot of different things that uh, raised my interest, but also wor were worrisome for me, because I was looking at the church, and I'm like, the church really doesn't understand or doesn't see exactly what's going on, you know? I was a little worried about that. But like I said, you know, we keep praying and we keep uh, preaching the word. When I was studying, I got stuck on a study from some university, I don't, I don't remember which it was, and they uh, proposed something very interesting, and I'm going to uh, share this with you real quick as a foundation for what we're doing here today. And they were saying, listen to what they said in this article, in this study. Today's reality is constituted by a presentation and continuous repetition of images on the screens in our lives. It is a representation and sometimes simulation of the supposed reality in which we live in this present moment. When I read that, I was like, wow, this is something very interesting. Because if you think back last year, during the lockdowns and everything, what was our life? Everybody was stuck in front of a screen, right? I mean, entertainment, work, school, studying, news, information, everything came from the screens. We were stuck at home, and our lifeline to the outside were the screens. 
Obviously, Florida was best because we were not so restricted, you know. But I can tell you in Panama, it gets very boring if you can't go outside for a whole week. You can only go out, go out one hour, two hours every other day, and you're locked in the whole weekend. And try to do that with a 95-pound Doberman, okay? He don't understand what a lockdown is. He wants to go outside and play, you know, but you're stuck inside, you know. So for many people in, in, in the world, Europe was even worse too. Some, when I talked to my sister in Germany, she tells me all the stuff going over there. It's, it was crazy, you know. And there's, they're thinking about re, redoing some of these lockdowns again in Italy and other countries too, you know. So for many people, the only escape they had during this time was looking at some sort of screen. Computer, television, t laptop, uh, iPad, whatever it is, you know, your, your cell phone. And we spent, I don't know how many hours in front of those screens. But what happens? When you look at these screens, you have no contact to the outside. What, what is your reality? What do you think is real? What do you think is happening in the world? How do you know if it's true or not? How do you decide what you see is actually what is happening? How do you know that? I asked myself, and when I saw this, I'm like, well, they're speaking, they're speaking something true there because what they're saying here in this, in this study was that it's a presentation and a continuous repetition of images. And they represent our supposed reality. You know, obviously we know, we heard this uh, over, over, over time and time again, a lot of things today are media-driven. How many have, have heard that before? Media-driven, you know? And they drive certain things and they repeat it, they repeat it, bum, 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 bum. And people are like, oh, well, if, if they say it, it's got, that's, that's got the way it's gotta be, you know? But we as a church, we, we can't be influenced by what we see on the screen. Amen. You, know, you know what I'm saying? We, we can't go by that. I, I, I got to tell you, I told, when, I, when I studied all this, I made a drastic decision in October last year, and I canceled my cable. I don't have cable TV in my house anymore. Gone. Because I saw all the stuff that came into my house. I'm like, why am I paying for this? I don't need this. You know what I'm saying? I don't need this. So I'm off the 24-hour news cycle, and I feel so much better. <laughs> you know, but anyways, so a lot of things are media-driven, and so it's becoming more and more important for us to have a correct view about reality as Christians, as believers. And I wrote this down, and I, and I put here in the, in, the, in, the, in the preparation for the sermon, those who live in faith, full of the Holy Spirit, do we have anybody here who's full of the Holy Spirit? All right. Waiting for eternal life, the return of Jesus. These people do not see the world in a perception influenced by the world. Those, see, those people see the world in a biblical reality. Okay? So what we're, what we're teaching in Panama is that you have to start living your life and seeing what is happening, not from what they tell you about opinions and these and that. No, you've got to look at it with a biblical perspective. And once you do that, a lot of things are going to change. A lot of things are going to change in your life and the way you think, the way you feel, and all these things. Now, why am I presenting this to you? Well, that's, now we'll get to the revelation, but that was just the introduction. You know? Why am I telling you all this? Well, to be able to implement all of these new things that the world wants to implement. You know, I could go on a whole hour or more on, on studies and things that I've read that show the plans that the world has for the next 10 years. And if, and if you study this, your hairs are going to stand on your back. It's, it's scary stuff. Yeah. It's weird stuff. Yeah. I just saw a video the other day from the World Economic Forum. You know what they said? This video was one and a half minutes long. The first thing is said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's what it said. And then the next paragraph said, everything you need you can rent, and it will be delivered to you by a drone. I'm like, then the next thing is this. The United States will not be the eminent superpower in the world. That's what it said. And there was like eight more points. This was their, this was their idea, how the world, what the world was going to look like in eight years. I was like, goodness gracious. Can you imagine a life without owning personal property? How are they going to do that? 
That was my question. I said, how are they going to do that? And when I started meditating on this, something just came to my mind and, and, and to my heart. And I'm like, well, it requires what? It requires the participation of everybody, the willing, voluntary participation of everybody. And if I would have told you three years ago that we were all going to be running around with masks, we would have restrictions, you would say, you're crazy. I'm always going to do that. And look what happened. Just like that. So what makes us think as, as, as believers, looking at the biblical reality, that what in the Bible, what the Bible prophesies in, 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 in Revelations and other scriptures is not going to happen. Of course it's going to happen because it's written in the Bible. Nothing we can do about it, you know. But it's only going to happen if everybody participates in it in the world. And what they will need is they will need the obedience of everybody. So today, or tonight, I'm, I want to speak to you a little bit about obedience. Okay? Uh, I know it's a, a subject that you probably was touched here many times or preached here many times by Bishop or by Pastor Thad, I'm pretty sure. But I want to give you tonight a, a fresh look at it, a fresh revelation, and a little deeper perspective on what obedience is and why it's so important. Why it's so important in the kingdom of God. Because if we understand the biblical principle of obedience, our lives will dramatically change. Dramatically change. So the first, I have a couple of bullet points. I don't know how much time I have. How much time do I have, Pastor? How much time do I have? Till I'm done? <laughs> that, that's Panama time. In Panama, we preach till we're done. So I don't know. I'll try to be as quick as possible, all right? I have a couple of bullet points for you guys on the importance of obedience. And you're going to write those down. That's fine. The first one we have here is that obedience is an act of investment. I don't know if you've heard this before. I'm pretty sure you did if you're, if you're a member here of this church. And what's interesting about that is, is when you look at these words in, in the Bible, I always try to research them in the original text, in the Hebrew and the Greek. And when I looked at obedience, it was very interesting to find out that obedience first means to hear carefully, to listen intelligently. That was the first part. I mean, so obedience has to do with listening and hearing first. Interesting, I never knew that. But then when you keep, keep studying it, then it says that obedience means to understand, to give consent, to be submissive, and to discern. I'm going to repeat this. To understand, to consent, be submissive, and discern. So when you put all of this together, when the Bible talks about obedience, or being obedient to God and to his, to, to his word, we see that obedience really is a very complex action. It's a very complex action. It's something very important in the biblical context. To be able to be, to be obedient, one first must hear and listen intelligently, understand, and then in submission, give consent and act accordingly. That's very important that we understand that. That is why obedience in the kingdom of God it's very important. It's why it's an investment. But it's an investment in what? What are we investing in if we are obedient? And it's very simple. Our obedience is, a, is an act, was an instrument of investment into the kingdom of God and into our relationship with God. That's what we're investing in. If we're obedient, we are investing into the kingdom of God and we are investing into our relationship with God. To understand that, it's very important. Because after all, obedience has to do with a relationship. Who are we obedient to? God. So obedience is something that has to do with relationship. Right? When we look at the, at the scriptures in, 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 in John uh, chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered unto them, uh, said unto them, if a man love me, that's relationship right there, if a man love me, he will keep my words. In other words, if, you, if, if a man loves me, he is obedient to my word. 
That's relationship right there. But it goes even further than that. And my father will love him. When will my father love him? If we love Jesus and are obedient to his word. So we're investing in that relationship and God loves us. Amen? Very interesting. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So what Jesus is teaching here is when we keep his words, when we obey his words, God will continue to love us and be with us. If we love Jesus, we will keep his words. It's based on a relationship. See, in the world, there are very many forms of obedience. Many form, different forms of obedience that don't really require much of anything. You know? There is forced obedience in many forms, in work, financially, socially, you name it. Let me give you an example. When I was, before I went to Panama, I worked at the Fort Lauderdale Airport, and my boss was quite a rascal. He was in the office right behind me, and he never took any phone calls. They all came through us. Some blah, 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 Fisher from this company, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, may I talk to so-and-so, my boss? I'm like, hang on. Hey, boss man, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And he'd be like, I'm not here. Tell him I'm not here. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. My boss is not here right now. He was right behind me. Right? But in obedience, in obedience to my boss, I, I, I lied and said, he's not there. How many have done that? Don't say amen. <laughs> Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah. But listen, after a while, it got to me. And I went to his office. I closed the door. I said, boss, I want to tell you one thing. You know I'm a Christian, right? He's like, yeah. I said, don't make me lie for you. I ain't doing it no more. He's like, what? I'm like, no. If you're there, pick up the phone. I'm not telling people you're not there if you're there. It makes me uncomfortable. He swallowed three times. Okay, if that's your conviction, I understand. Uh, you know? Okay. But you know, a lot of times we, 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 we act in obedience to certain things without even considering the consequences of our obedience. Because yeah. later we're going to see what obedience does. And trust me, once you hear that, you ain't going to go back, never going, you're never going to do that again. <laughs> so Jesus was teaching us very important things here about obedience. All right? So we know uh, obedience is a form or an act of investment. So what's the second point I have for you? Listen to this. Here we go. Obedience is action. Now listen to this. With our obedience or disobedience, we choose where we act. In the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of this world. Mm. Wow, that's, sim that's that simple. It's an action. And with our decision to obey or disobey God, we choose where we act, where we invest, in the kingdom of God, in God's will, or in the kingdom of the world. And the best example I could find on that is the story of Jesus before he started his ministry being in the desert. Now, now listen to this. This is pretty deep. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, right? He was fasting. He was tired. He was hungry. Who shows up? Satan. Satan showed up to tempt him, right? Three times he did that. And every time Satan tried to tempt him, what did Jesus do? He spoke the word of God, and Satan had to leave him, right? But what happened here? Think about it, about investment and about, about obedience. Think about it. Jesus, uh, Satan, wanted Jesus to be obedient to him so that Jesus would invest into Satan's kingdom and not into the kingdom of God. Because, as you know, the Bible says Jesus was obedient until death. Death on the cross. That was his investment into the kingdom of God. And because of his obedience, of this investment, we're sitting here right now as believers. So Satan tried to get Jesus to invest into his kingdom and be obedient to him. But every time he tried it, Jesus spoke the word of God and was obedient to the, to, to the kingdom of God. Amen. So Satan tried it again. Jesus was obedient again to the word of God and to in, invest into the kingdom of God. He did it a third time. And then said, Satan left him because he saw what he was doing was having the opposite effect. Every time he tried to 
make Jesus obey him, Jesus obeyed God and invested in the kingdom of God, and he never got one investment from Jesus. Amen? When I saw that, I was, I was like, wow. God, this is, this is crazy. I mean, how many times have we been obedient without even thinking about it? How much seed, how much, how much resource have we invested into the kingdom of the world? Well, without even thinking about it for one second. And we'll talk about that later. So, if we don't obey the word of God, what do we do? We act against the kingdom of God and we act for the kingdom of the world. Hmm. Anybody can say amen in here? Amen. amen. Wow. You ready for another one? Yeah. All right, we got one. We got more, don't worry. Obedience is an instrument of God's divine order. That's why obedience is so important. I'll give you another biblical example as an illustration. Look at the people of Israel when they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. What happened to them? They lived as slaves. That means what? They lived under forced obedience. Right? They had no choice. They had to obey their masters because they were slaves. They had to obey all that stuff, all those gods, all that things that were going on in Egypt. They had to obey. They lived for 400 years under forced obedience. They were slaves. And when Moses shows up, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh gets all bent out of shape. He's like, what? I'm not, let my people go? What? Why didn't he want these people, these slaves let, let, let go? Because he needed their obedience. Because their obedience was investment into his kingdom. A huge labor force. If they would have left, the investment they gave him for free all these hundreds of years out the door. It would have been a huge disaster for him. So what did he say? Who am I? I don't know this God. Who am I to obey this God? I'm the God here. Everybody has to obey me. Because he wanted the investment into his kingdom. He didn't want to give one, one, one investment into the kingdom of God. He said, that's not, that's not happening. They're investing here in me. I'm the God here. So the plagues came. The plagues came. And of course, you know, he, he had no choice. He had to let them go. Now here's where the, the stuff gets, really gets interesting. When you read the book of Leviticus, when they're in the desert, God gives him all the ceremonial laws. Why did he do that? Think about it. 400 years of slavery, they were people without order. They had no clue what to do. They had no idea what to do. They didn't even know how to worship God. They didn't know what to do. Because they, never, they were never allowed to have opinions publicly. They were never allowed to do anything free. So God, in Leviticus, gave them all the ceremonial laws. And then when you go into the book of Numbers which is interesting also, you see the implementation of these laws in the people of God. And how do they do it? In, in obedience to the word of God. And it's profound when you're studying numbers that these, this order that they establish in their, in, their, in, their, in, their, in their society starts with organizing their camp. How to organize the camp, simple stuff like this. Their economy, their social life, their civil life, their spiritual life, even their military aspects, everything was included into this. And what they did in, in, in numbers is they, uh, in obedience, started applying all these laws and all of a sudden there was order, there was order in their lives. Amen? Amen. Israel was obedient in implementing all these laws and it brought divine order to their lives. Now, I have to say, if there's disorder in your life, why is that? Most likely because you're disobedient to the word of God. Amen. Amen. It's true. You know, as a pastor, I've been doing this for 20 years now. Ask Pastor Thad, Pastor Diane, and any pastor. 
People come to us, oh, this is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. And I always look at what, what's going on, oh, this disaster, and that disaster. It's like all kinds of things happening. And I ask them, what do you think that happened? Well, I don't know, it's not my fault. They blame the government, they blame the neighbor, they blame the wife, they blame the husband, the dog, the cat, they blame the pastor, they blame the church, they blame everybody. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, it's because there's disorder in their lives and they were disobedient to the word of God. So if you have a lot of problems in your life, in your family, in your finance, whatever, start being obedient to the word of God. And little by little, you will see divine order being established in your life. And your life will change for com completely. Amen. God taught me that a long time ago. Because why? Because I heard it here first. <laughs> and I applied it. My wife and I are debt-free now for over 24 years. Amen. Am I super rich? No but I'm debt free. Amen. Why? Because there's divine order in my finances. I'm married now for 26 years. Why? Because there's divine order in my marriage. We have a Florian church. It's not perfect, but we implement divine order in our church. And we tell everybody in our church, you got to do it, not me. Don't blame your pastor. You got to be obedient to the word of God in your, day, in your daily life. Every day, every night, you got to do it. And then we have divine order. And the sad story is, in the, in the um, story of the uh, Israelites, what happened there? Think about it. Look, read the book of Second Chronicles. Obedient, disobedient. Obedient, disobedient. Obedient. They followed God, then they followed other gods. They followed God, then they followed other gods. Blah, 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 blah. But there were more ba bad kings than good kings. And what happens at the end? The temple gets destroyed, and they get taken to a foreign country as slaves again. I'm like, oh man, all of this, and they're back to where they started. And it's just a simple thing. Be obedient to the word of God. Establish divine order in your life, and you will not be a slave. To nobody. You'll be a servant to God. Amen? But at the beginning, Israel made an investment in obedience into the kingdom of God, into their relationship with God, so they could learn how to live in their newfound freedom. Amen? But if you read the Bible, there's other examples of divine order. You can find it everywhere based on obedience. Luke 8, 25. Jesus says here unto them, Where's your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. That's nothing new. Start reading in Genesis. God speaks. And all matter was obedient to his word. And the order was established, and life could, could start. Without divine order and matter, we wouldn't be here today. Amen? We can see it, you know? Mark 1.27, and they were all amazed, and not so much as they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For, what, for with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Doesn't matter, demons, spirit, evil spirits, whatever it is, strongholds, even Satan himself, have to obey the word of God. Yes. That's why the Bible says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Jesus Christ, who, being in form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Even Jesus was obedient to God, to his Father. 
So here we can see the importance of obedience in relation to divine order. It's everywhere you can see. It's everywhere. Obedience for us should not be a chore or an obligation. We have to start thinking of acts of obedience as an investment in our relationship with God so that God can bring divine order to your life. Amen. Amen. You ready for the next one? All right. Without obedience, there is no application of biblical truth in our lives. And I think that's very clear now from everything that we talked about so far. It is impossible, ALM family, to live your life without obedience and say that you are a Christian. You have to be obedient to the word of God. People that, be, that, that live in disobedience do not apply God's words, God's will, God's purpose in their life. Every time we see this in the Bible, when people of Israel start following other gods, false gods, whoever it is, everything gets thrown out the window. They're in big trouble. You know? So during these times in which we live right now, as a church, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we cannot go on living the way we want or the way the world tells us. We have to stand firm and be obedient to the word of God. No matter what cost. We have to be obedient to the word of God. To the will of God. If not, chaos is going to come into our lives. And all kinds of things are going to happen. Hmm. Now you ask me, Pastor Andreas, why is it then so difficult for us to be obedient? (laughs) Right? How many of you have little, had, had little kids in their lives and they didn't want to be obedient? They said, go to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. Or something like that. I want ice cream. No, eat your broccoli. I want ice cream. You know. <laughs> I can even get my dog to be obedient to me. You know, I mean, come on. It's not easy, you know. We don't want to be obedient. And we can talk about uh, sin and free will and all different things. But as a believer, I want to give you a simple truth or a simple formula to help you and being obedient. All right, let's go to the formula. I like things easy and clear. First, disobedience is seeing God in light of your circumstances. Obedience, seeing your circumstances in light of God. You getting that? Why do people have problems with being obedient? Because they see God in light of their circumstances. When everything is fine and dandy, oh, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to do everything. Oh, I'm going to be your pastor. Don't worry about it. But then the circumstances change. Eh, God really didn't come through for me there. You know, I'm just going to take a break, break here, take a breather, and maybe later when things calm down, I might come back. So we make our relationship, our obedience, dependent on the circumstances that we live in. Many people do that, and they're in the church. They're dear brothers and sisters. We love them and everything, but we can't keep doing that. What we have to do is, we have to see our circumstances, all of them, in light of God. Because God is never changing. He's the same yesterday, day, and forever, right? The circumstances change all the time, we know that. But God doesn't change. But if we see, look at God through our circumstances, then we have an ever-changing God. One time he's a good God, one time he's a bad God, then he's a big God, then he's a small God, then he's an active God, then he's an inactive God, then he doesn't listen, then he listens... It changes all the time. No. You have to really sit down as a believer and start saying, okay, no matter what happens, God is God, and I will obey him. Amen. Amen. And once you start doing that, the circumstances in your life really are not that bad because they all pass. Circumstances are temporary. They never last forever. They change. Boom. You know, what seems like a big disaster today, tomorrow, could be resolved just like that. You know? So we have to start looking at God as a big God, as a God, as an eternal God that never changes, and see our circumstances in light of God. Now I want to bring this to a close shortly. (laughs) I'm trying, Pastor, I'm trying. Obedience versus disobedience. We're going to compare the two real quick. And we can identify two different, very different lifestyles. 
Listen to this. People that live in disobedience, as we established, invest their times, talents, resources, whatever it is, into the kingdom of the world, and they contribute to it. But as a result, this life turns into a life of what? Into a life of self-sufficiency. Disobedience always leads you to self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I can do it by myself. What do I need God for? I can take care of that. I don't need to bother him, you know. Pff, whatever, you know, I'll just do it. And you can see the Bible full of people that were disobedient and became self-sufficient. And look at them, what happened? What happened to them? A disobedient lifestyle always leads to self-sufficiency. But it doesn't stop there. Once you're in a lifestyle of disobedience and self-sufficiency, what happens next? You're going to start seeing consequences in your life. Disobedience, self-sufficiency produces consequences. Sometimes we get lucky, and our disobedience produces great results, great consequences. We're like, see, I didn't need God. Everything was fine. It worked out just fine. So, you know, we get lucky sometimes. But in general, the consequences we get from disobedience and self-sufficiency are not good. I've seen very many people in my life in the, in the church that are self-sufficient. And you know what happened to them? They become bitter. They become cold. They have hearts of stone. They sit in the church and nothing can touch them. They don't feel anything. It's very sad. But it's a consequence of disobedience. It's a consequence of self-sufficiency. You know? And we, we can't live like this. The church is not, the kingdom of God is not built on that. Let me give you an example of that. I always like to back up with scripture. We don't have time to read it. I'll just, let, I'll just tell you. Go on. Numbers 13 and 14. The big conquest. First it failed, right? Then we go to the book of Joshua. What did Joshua do when he went in? They fasted, they prayed, they did three days of cleansing, they crossed the river with the, with the ark of them, the water's power, and then they went to Jericho. And what did they do? They walked around seven times, they blow their, their shofars, their horns, they screamed, and the walls came down and they conquered everything. But what did God say? Be obedient and do not touch anything. But there was one guy who was disobedient. Oh, man. There's always one, right? <laughs> so they're all happy with their victory. They go on to the next city. And it's a little dinky little city. So Josh sends some spies there. Joshua, he's like, I'll oh, check it out, guys. They come back, ah, oh, this little thing. Oh, what does he like? 20 men, 20,000, 20,000 men. That's it. Don't send, all the, don't send all the army. And they go, and they get their <clears throat> handed to them. And people die. And what do they do? Oh, my God. They're on the floor crying. Oh, we're going to be destroyed. And what does God say? What are you doing on the floor? Get up, man. Josh like, what happened, God? I'm paraphrasing. What happened? He's like, well, A, disobedience. There's sin in the camp. And look how quick Joshua turned from being obedient to being self-sufficient. One act of sin and the whole camp of Israel became self-sufficient. They didn't, read it, they didn't even ask God how they were supposed to conquer the city. They did it all by themselves, and it didn't work. What did God say? Clean up that mess, get sin out of the camp, and you have to take all of the army to conquer this. Amen? Amen? Self-sufficiency is no good. It's not good, not in the kingdom of God. Disobedience always produces consequences in our lives. And you just get the biblical example there. Now, obedience, on the other hand, is a very, very powerful tool in the kingdom of God. It represents our investment into the kingdom of God, into our relationship, but it does not lead us to self-sufficiency. Obedience leads us to a walk of faith and trust in God. Why does it happen? Why do we build our faith and our trust in God when we're obedient? Because you're going to notice one thing really quickly. Once you're obedient to God, his word, his biblical principles, what's, what's going to happen? The moment you're obedient, 
God starts acting on your behalf. This is for everybody to jump up and shout and say amen. I'm serious. That was like that was the part where I figured everybody's gonna jump up and shout amen and be happy. You're like, amen. Amen. Think about it. You're obedient, God activates and it goes works on your favor. Amen. This is great stuff, guys. I mean, you know, I'm serious, you know. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. So it leads to a walk of faith and trust, but it gets even better than that. Because once you're being obedient, you see how it works and how your faith grows, how your, how your trust in God grows, how God activates and how things start moving along. All of a sudden, you notice something. What is the result of obedience, of faith and trust in God? Your obedience is going to start producing a harvest. Your obedience is going to start producing a harvest. And it's amazing to watch. I can tell you this. If you start being obedient in certain areas of your life and you see the harvest coming, you're going to be speechless about how good God is by simple acts of daily obedience. I mean, we complicate our life so much with our self-sufficiency and disobedience or whatever. If we would just learn how to be obedient and trust God, walk in faith, trust God, be obedient, and then just wait for the harvest to come. The Bible tells us so in Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And you can read until verse 15, and you can read all the blessings, all the harvest, all the things that are coming to you if you are obedient and hearken to the word of the Lord, to the voice of the Lord. So that's the options we have. And I'm, 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 I'm getting the feeling that the church and what's coming in these times, if we're not obedient, we're going to be in trouble. That's right. Amen. We're, going to be in big, we're going to be in big trouble. Amen. We have to go back to obedience to the word of God. Be thankful that in this house here you get pure doctrine. But do something with it. You got to do something with it. You got to, I mean, don't let it just go in and out and eh, it was a great sermon. No, meditate on it. Listen intelligently. Understand. And if you don't understand, study it. If you don't understand, ask. There's many Bible scholars here. Ask. They can help you. And then apply it in your life. You can't obviously do everything at the same time. But look at the areas in your life that are most troubled right now. Could be your family, could be your finances, could be your health, could be your work, could be your spiritual life, could be whatever. And start obeying God in that area first, little by little. And then go to the next one, keep going, keep going, keep going. And you will see that your walk will not be any more self-sufficient. You will be full of faith and trust in God. And once the harvest keeps rolling in, you're going to be even more motivated. And your life is actually going to become fun. And everything that's going to have around you is just going to be like, wow. My wife just texted me before, right before the service. I was in the car. like, what's going on? She's like, you won't believe this. I'm like, what? They broke in again. I'm like, they broke in what? They jumped the fence and they stole all the tubes from our air conditioner. Did I get upset? No. I just laugh at Satan. I'm like, that's the best you can do. I don't care. We put, put a new tubes on there. I call, call the guy tomorrow. He'll fix it, and we'll be done with it. You know? I don't care. I don't care. Those are just circumstances of life. I don't let things like this derail me. And like, oh my God, and again. Uh, just don't worry about it. God is in control, right? Yes. God's in control. But lastly, I'm serious. That's the last one. I'm serious. I'm serious. You don't believe me? <laughs> I can keep going, but I got one more. 
Pastor says, that, that I can do one more, he says. <laughs> it was like, yeah, go ahead, man, go ahead. There's one more thing that obedience does. And I bet my bottom dollar that no one, none of you here ever thought about it this way. But it's in the scripture. I don't even have to explain it to you. You just read it and you're going to be like, wow, I didn't even see that. I didn't even know that. That's what happened to me when I found it. Look at this, 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with pure heart and fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Did you get this? What, did you, what I just read? Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. I was like, man. That is awesome. We are saved by faith, right? Yes. We proclaim and we believe in our heart. But the Bible says here that if we are obedient in the truth, we can purify our souls. When I look up the word purified in the concordance, in the Greek, you know what purified means? Listen to this. One, sanctify. Two, make clean. Three, innocent. Four, perfect. Five, pure. When I read this, I was like, thank you, Jesus. But the second thought I had was, then what does disobedience do to my soul? Think about that. So we can see, I think now, you're going to look at obedience completely different, right? <laughs> you know? I mean, now we understand what, what this means. We understand what obedience actually means in the kingdom of God. This is a long study. I can spend three Sundays on this or four Sundays on this. I give you the shortened Wednesday night version, right? But it's the same revelation. You know, now it's up to you to, to that written that take now take it home or watch it again on YouTube or whatever. Take it home, study it and start applying this in your life. Because, like I said before, if we want to do what God called us to do in the times that are coming, we have to be obedient. There's nothing. I mean, we can try, we can dance around, we can have all the ideas that we want to have, but if we're not obedient, it's not going to work. We have to be obedient. And obedience doesn't mean, like you learned today, it's not blind obedience. No, it's listen intelligently, hear, understand, discern, and then be submissive and apply it. It's a process. It's a... It's a it's an intelligent act of us being part of the kingdom of God. God designed it that way for a purpose. Amen? Amen. And I can only ask you, you know, as, as your pastor from Panama, you know, please, please, please be obedient to the word of God. Look at God as the way the Bible teaches it. Don't look at God through your circumstances. Right? Look at your circumstances in the light of God. In the light of the scriptures. And start obeying God in your life. In your family. In your marriage. In your work. In your family. In your finances. In your health. Hear what we're doing here. I mean, start being obedient to the word of God. It's not a competition. It's not a fight. No. It's our pleasure to be obedient to God. Amen. Right? It's a privilege to be obedient to God. And if you look at it that way, it doesn't become a chore. It, it, it's become, it actually becomes fun. Because you see the results of it. 
Many self-sufficient people invest and invest and invest and they get more and more frustrated and more bitter because nothing works. They don't see the return of what they're doing. But in the kingdom of God, if you're obedient, you will see a harvest. Amen. You will. Amen. Because the Bible says so. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. In my defense, Pastor Thad didn't tell me how long I could go, so. He didn't. <laughs> I'm okay? All right, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Won't we close our, hand, uh, close our eyes, lift our hands to Jesus tonight? And just talk to God a little bit while we got Mike playing something soft and anointed on the, on the guitar. Just talk to you, God. Talk to God. Talk to your Father. And a little bit, we're going to start uh, praying. Just talk to God. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that he's a great God, that he's awesome, that he's done so many things in your life that you can't live without him. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for revelation, and thank you for your word. God, you're teaching us important biblical principles, pillars of your kingdom that are essential for the success of your kingdom here on earth. And it's on us to do that. It is on us to be obedient to you. And right now, God, as individuals and as a church, we want to ask your forgiveness for our disobedience. And everyone here can fill in the blanks of what disobedience comes to your heart right now. God, forgive us of our disobedience to your word, to you. Because, God, we have suffered through many, many consequences for being disobedient to you. And sometimes we have even blamed you for these consequences, even though we were the ones that were disobedient. But today we recognize that obedience is an important tool so that, God, you can establish divine order in our lives. Because you are a God of order. You don't want disorder. You want order in our lives. But you can't force us to do it. That's why there is obedience. Jesus was obedient. The first obedient one to go to the cross for our sins. To open the way for us. So that because he was obedient, we also can be obedient to you. And invest into your kingdom invest in our relationship with you and at the same time establish divine order in our lives. And if we keep doing this, we know your Bible, your word shows us that we will reap harvest after harvest. We walk in faith and not by sight. We walk in strength and not in weakness. Because we know in obedience, you are always on our side. And no matter what happens, you are there with us to defend us, to protect us, to open the way and to destroy the enemy. Get him off our back. I pray right now, God, that we as a church today make a new commitment to you for our personal lives, for our families, and for our church family, that we will be a obedient church. We will be known to be an obedient church. And we will see the fruits, the harvest for this obedience. I pray God for every family, every person here in this room and those that are connected by internet. God touch their hearts. Show them, God, the importance of obedience in their lives. 
Show them the process, how obedience functions and how, marvel how marvelous it is to be obedient to you. How magnificent it is to be obedient to you. How much fun it is to be obedient to you. And to apply your word in our lives. And now, God, we will never look back. We will never be the same. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody says? Amen. 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 Hallelujah.